Seat Podcast 17. Broadcasting from deep within Combine territory. It is every citizen's duty to resist the Combine and learn the truth. Tis the season to be jolly, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Hello and welcome to our Christmas edition of Podcast 17, your weekly verbal tour of everything Half-Life and an opinionated show we have today. Um, with me today is William and uh, Mark and Chris and Flanker, all from the Temporal Cold War mod. Gentlemen, introduce yourselves, please. Hello, everybody. This is William. Once again, I want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. This is indeed our Christmas episode. Um, maybe you are listening on Christmas. Maybe you are playing this by the fire, by your Christmas tree, with the whole family. So, hi, listeners, family. Welcome to Podcast 17. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Podcast 17. Merry Christmas, by the way. My name is Mark. I'm from the Enterprise Temporal Court War Team. Um, I do quite a lot of uh, voice acting for the team, so um, Merry Christmas, and that's me. Over to you, Flanker. Hello, my name is actually Teunus Dijkman from the Netherlands. I'm the concept artist in the Temporal Cold War team, and uh, that's about it. And uh, hi, I'm Chris. I'm the uh, lead animator for the Temporal Cold War team. Welcome to you all. Thanks for joining us today. All right, so today we uh, don't have a lot of Podcast 17 to- news to go over, um, other than it's Christmas and Merry Christmas, and like last week, uh, we will be doing regular recordings uh, next week as well, so don't think we're taking a break, because we never take a break. We are dedicated to you guys, and uh, you will always have some Podcast 17 content. And we have quick little follow-up and errata from last week. Um, we were talking about Empires 2.2, and uh, I said that it, the original version of this game, so I guess Empires 0.1 or whatever they want to title it, had a lot of bugs, and it was extremely laggy, and uh, I wasn't sure what 2.2 was. And let me just say, this week, all I have been playing is Empires 2.2, and I am thoroughly in love with this game. Um, this mod has come such a long way. They have a whole new development team. Um, we'll be talking a little bit about that later, but uh, they they have a whole new development team working on it, and 2.2 is the beginning of a new Empire's Empire, almost. That's, that sounds a little bit weird. But uh, it's so fun. There's a lot of really, really nice people online that can help you with the learning curve. They have some noob servers, so to speak, up there. So if you're, uh, if you're, if you're hoping that there are some people that are out there to help you and uh, you're a little bit worried about the learning curve, have no fear. There's also a really, really great wiki, and the game is just super fun. I mean, uh, Nick and I have been playing this all week, and we can compare it to uh, Battlefield 2, and it's better than Battlefield 2. That's about what i got to say about that. So it's so fun, and it's free. So why not give it a try and see if you like it? Okay, moving on to uh, Half-Life news. And our first bit of news today is uh, Ragnarok Arena Remastered released. That's kind of a tongue twister. But if uh, you listeners recall A-Card from, uh, from Ragnarok Arena, the original Gold Source version, has been on the show before, and he released Ragnarok Arena Remastered. And this is basically a remake of the original Ragnarok Arena, which is a 2D platformer. For multiplayer platformer for Half-Life, and uh, what you have is a whole bunch of people on the same screen shooting each other left and right. 
uh, and you can go up and down, much like a Mario game, only in uh, in Half-Life form. And now it uses the orange box engine, so you have rag dolls and nice little blood sprays and all the sorts that you'd expect from uh, from the orange box. And it's extremely fun. Nick and I once again had a chance to play with A Card and uh, Rumple from Cry Fear and Minuet, and uh, even Duck Sauce from. Uh, from Fragout. So we had such a good time last night. It's extremely addictive, and it's just one of those games that you pick up and play, and you don't think anything about it. So um, I suggest you go ahead and play that if you have some free time. Anybody from uh, Star Trek been able to play Ragnarok Arena? Uh, no, I haven't. What's a Ragnarok? I'm not even sure where the name comes from, to be honest. I mean, isn't there like an MMO named Ragnarok? Ragnarok on line or something? No, I do recall something like that well that's a long while a uh, long time ago yeah i'm not sure what the name means um but it's just been around forever now um a card is so used to the name anyway moving on to the next piece of news um smash ball open beta has been released now i mentioned we were going to be talking about the empire's team a little bit earlier and uh this is where the old empire's team actually went uh, they decided to create a new mod called Smash Ball, and what Smash Ball is is it goes against um, the old Smash Ball tournaments, uh, the old TV shows and movies and video games, I think. Um, anyway, what it is is you're in this arena, and it's kind of like a hybrid of basketball and soccer. You carry this ball, and you have to get it through a soccer net, and uh, but only if there's a twist, there's... Uh, there's hooks and repels and guns and lots of violence and lots of screaming. Um, the game is extremely fast-paced. The beta is out. I got a chance to play this too, and I wouldn't suggest it. Um, there's a lot of really, really good people out there who are um, extremely good at this game, and I'm not really sure how they're this good at this game. But the game can get aggravating, and uh, it's a little bit jumpy in terms of latency and uh it's hard to keep track of this isn't really my type of game anyway but but if it is your type of game if you're into these tall sports things and you like maybe international online soccer for half-life then you'll probably like smash ball um then give it a shot and if you're like me and want to play everything then also give it a shot but i don't think it's going to stick with most people except for the hardcore people who are really really into it Alright, third on our list for Half-Life news is HMS Defiance 2 was released. Philip, did you get a chance to play HMS Defiance 1? I didn't even know there was a first one. Yeah, I did, uh, but to be honest, I can't remember too much about it. It's much, much smaller than this. I think it was more a case of introducing the basic concept of what they were trying to do. I managed to play this uh, a little bit yesterday and a little bit today, and uh, I like it so far. There are some aspects that seem a little amateurish. Some of the models don't seem particularly good, and some of the headgear that the enemies wear isn't very good. But I, I, I like the idea that, you know, you, you start off in a, a ship in 1942, and you go through this portal, and it takes you to somewhere else, and it's, it's interesting. It's definitely different from having the Half-Life uh, universe and all of the textures, but... I'm only probably about 30 minutes the way through, so I'm enjoying it so far. Have you played it, or anybody else from the um, TCW mod? Have you guys played it? I got a chance to play um, the whole thing, actually. Uh, HMS Defiance 2 is basically your run-of-the-mill single-player mod, and as Philip said, um, 
it is, it, I actually really liked it. I beat it all the way through. It's a little bit creepy, actually, um, with the whole models and the, as Philip was saying, headpieces that some people were wearing. It's, it's extremely creepy. You can tell the person in charge of HMS Defiance really is, uh, modeling isn't his strong suit, so he tries the tries his best with what he has, and it's still a pretty good job. At least they're custom models. I give him props for that. Um, the game is fun. You end up going back in time and using teleportations, getting secret artifacts. It's really really cool, and there's definitely a story involved. Um, so pick it up. I I thoroughly suggest it. Anybody else play it? No, that that actually sounds pretty interesting, but um, I haven't actually had a chance to play it. Uh, I was actually following it on Mod Database. Like you said, it was a very interesting idea, but I haven't actually played it yet. But perhaps I'm planning to, to do it. Yeah, they have that, that video up on their website, it's sort of like a trailer, and it, it looks interesting enough. I mean, the mapping looks pretty cool. Yeah, it's extremely hard, though. I remember being stuck in uh, in a jail cell, almost, and them keep throwing, or the mod was continuously throwing enemies at me and uh, for the last bit I kind of had to go god mode because I was playing on hard and then turned it off when I got out of the jail cell because there's no way I was going to beat it but it is it is really really fun and uh, you can really spend a good probably hour and a half at it um, hour and a half to two hours I would say of game time in HMS Defiance 2 now I've never played the original uh, so I might go back and play that but it doesn't really have any pre-assumed knowledge. It's almost like uh, the first one doesn't even exist. Uh, they don't they don't concentrate on on giving you that backstory, nor is it needed, almost. So don't worry if you haven't played the original. You can just jump right into HMS Defiance 2 and then maybe go back to the original. Okay, so next on the list, um, another open beta was released. God, there's so many things that were released this week. Um, Calamity Fuse, and uh, we mentioned this on previous shows, it's basically a sword fighting, FPS, RPG, third person, sci-fi, adventure mod. That's about as best as I can put it. Um, Calamity Fuse takes place in the far, far future. Two factions battling it out. Um, you can select certain loadouts. Uh, you can either go a melee or a ranged fighter or use magic. I can't quite recall what they call magic in this, but you can choose different spells. There's tons of spells. I think there's about 25 different spells or something like that they can choose from. And uh, you just have a normal deathmatch or capture the flag or I think uh, king of the hill or last man standing type gameplay thing. Um, it wasn't that fun. It is an open beta, so it needs a lot of work still. And uh, there wasn't anybody playing it when I went to go play online, so I was just kind of running around in a server all by myself. Uh, but if if you want to check out, if, you, if you're following Calamity Fuse and uh, you want to see their progress, then by all means check it out to play through some of the things that they have. But in no way is this a playable version of the game. It is playable, but uh, it's not really polished at all. It's almost like they threw it all together in, just to get a beta out which I kind of disagree with. I don't think they should do this, but uh, if, if you're following the mod, check it out and give it a shot. Anybody else with Calamity Fuse? I haven't played it, but I was reading the website, and uh, to be honest, I think it's it's trying to be too many things to too many people. You know, it's 
it's a role-playing game, it's a first person, it's a, it's a third person, it's a shooter, it, it, it's going to have vast single-player campaign, it's going to redefine the way you play Deathmatch, and uh, maybe I'm completely wrong, but I just think that they're trying to be too many things to too many people, and some of the mods that say, I'm just going to do something like the Frag Out mod, we're just going to have a Deathmatch where we use grenades. I think the people who focus on something very specific... Um, is uh, going to get the best results there, but maybe I could be wrong. No, you're entirely correct. I mean, I jumped into the mod, and I wasn't really sure what to expect, and um, when I went ahead and chose my class, I wasn't really sure what the point was. It's, it's almost like um, they're trying to make a cake, and instead of using, you know, batter and icing, they're using hot dogs and french fries. Anyway... Um, so that's Calamity Fuse. If you're interested in the mod, check it out, like I said. But if not, then uh, maybe wait till the final comes out. So next on our list is uh, Affinity Portal. We meant to talk about this last week, but we had no time to get to it. Philip, you got a chance to play Affinity Portal. Why don't you tell us about this? This is uh, interesting for me because I posted it on Planet Philip, and it's the first portal map that I've posted there. And it's actually only the second bonus map that I've ever played. And I actually think that that's really important, that if I'd have come to this map and I've played lots before, I might have thought what one of the other Planet Philip readers thought, which was it was a personal favourite. It's like a, a keeper. But um, I, I enjoyed it. It was very good. There was a couple of puzzles that kept me thinking for a while, and it was, it was excellent. Um, but I think it really might depend on how many you've played before because I get the feeling that there's a lot of terrible portal maps out there and this one stands out as being one of the better ones but because it was only the third one I've played it just seemed quite good to me because I was comparing that against the original portal um, maps. Yeah myself I'm not really a portal custom map portal player so I have nothing to compare it against. Any of our guests here have any custom map experience in portal? Nah, haven't a clue. Alright, well, uh, yeah, it's kind of a selected few thing. I mean, the people who are still playing Portal are uh, very few and far between, almost, it seems like. But we'll get more to that in a little bit later after the interview. Alright, so, next up on the list, and uh, this is one of my favorites for this week, is The Tower Part 1 for Half-Life 2 Episode 2. And this is an excellent map. Philip, why don't you tell us about this as well? This one starts with you being dropped by a helicopter onto the top of the tower and your instructions are simply destroy the tower. You don't really know anything about how big it is, why it's there, who it belongs to, nothing. So you come in through the uh, the roof and your job is really just to find your way down. It's, it's like an, the perfect example of a linear map that isn't linear. Linear in the sense that you can really only go down, but not linear in the sense that you maybe have to go across yourself levels and perhaps back up a level to get back down another level and uh, I like those kind of maps where you're kind of exploring but you're not exploring it's not like a sandbox one uh, the, the uh, textures are very well done the design is very well done there's a few puzzles that had me thinking for a, a little bit at the beginning there's not enough uh, combat for my liking but perhaps that's because it's only part one and it needs to develop itself um, it looks like it's going to be a really good uh, mod, and I really wish that I hadn't played the part one and I'd waited for the whole thing. Um, but I really enjoyed this. If he releases the, the whole mod, it would definitely make a Hall of Fame for me. Yeah, for sure. Same here. Um, this map was exciting. 
I when I saw it on FPS Banana, um, and I saw the screenshots, and they're all in HDR. It just looks beautiful, and um, he delivers with that. When when you actually play the game, it really does look beautiful. Um, even in the starting room, you're looking down from the tower, and uh, there's things falling from where you're stepping. Very nice sequences. Uh, very nice scripts that he writes within his map, and uh, the. I was t I was telling Nick, and uh, I was I kind of always dictate my playthrough with Nick. And one part that just sticks out amongst all the rest was I was walking through a building, and uh, a train f cut the whole building right in half. And I was like, "Wow, that's really nice." Um, it was almost I could just imagine the amount of work that he put into that, and uh, and making all the function destroyables and everything and making sure that everything just fit perfectly and then I had to use uh, props in the map to make a sort of haphazard bridge to get across it was just really really fun and uh, secondly there's actually hunters in this map and you don't see that a lot either um, a lot of people kind of ignore the hunter in custom map content mainly because it's still fairly new but uh, I always like to see that the hunters are put in maps and I saw that you got the uh, payback achievement uh, Philip and so did I by playing this map Actually, that's a really good point. I was thinking about that today. I didn't realize that you could achieve the Episode 2 achievements in custom maps. I thought that you'd only be able to do it in, uh, in the Half-Life Episode 2 itself. And I was thinking perhaps somebody should make a, a map simply designed to make all the achievements achievable or really easy to do. I don't know whether somebody would want to do that or not. But I also enjoyed the inclusion of the Hunter, um, which is, as you say, something that's not done enough. We'd like to see that a little bit more. Yeah, they do make achievement maps for like uh, Team Fort uh, Team Fortress 2 and other other games like that, but you don't really see it for Episode 2. There are some achievements though that are very very specific to the single player. I think there's one where you have to take the uh, the Garden Gnome all the way to the rocket or something. Like I said, I can't quite recall. I haven't got around to doing Episode 2 achievements yet. But yeah, anyway, true. moving you take the gnome and you put him in the spaceship, and when it launches, yeah, when it launches, you get the achievement. That's a good one. Um, moving on. We have another map that was released, the Lamar Incident for Half-Life 2 Episode 2. Philip, you want to tell us about this one too? This one comes from a, a Guildhall student, and for those who don't know, Guildhall is um, an academy or university that also has game design um, courses, and uh, they use the Source Engine, and they use Quake, and Unreal Tournament, plus uh, World of War as well, I think. And occasionally the students release something, and this one has been released. Uh, it's from the viewpoint of a head crab, and probably because we played Zombie Edition a few weeks back, you naturally make that um, comparison, and unfortunately it doesn't stand up anywhere near. The author of this map only had a couple of weeks to do it, and I think he just or they just wanted to have something that was a little different, and so they tried to do that. There's no combat, you can't jump on people's heads like you can in Zombie Edition, and you're really just going from A to B. It's more a portfolio piece than anything that's actually enjoyable to play, but it's nice to see you know, people doing new things, um, but it's got to be fun to play as well. Yeah, you got to keep in mind the limitations, though, too. Um, it's just a straight map for um, Half-Life 2 instead of it being a full-out mod like uh, Half-Life Zombie Edition was. It was interesting, um, but there was really nothing special about it. I kind of liked being a headcrab, though, and <laughs> it was kind of funny when you're approaching all the other headcrabs and they, uh, they, they take a liking to you, so to speak. Yeah, it really is a shame there's like not more to it because, I mean, it's a really cool idea. 
Yeah, if you're really looking for the zombie experience, um, or the player zombie experience, then you, you're better off just playing Half-Life Zombie Edition. As for this, um, like Philip said, it, it does seem like a little bit of a portfolio piece, but it's still fun. I mean, uh, I'd still recommend it over some of the other open betas that we were talking about today, like, uh, like Calamity Fuse and, and, and such. Okay, so our last thing that was released is a Red Mesa single-player co-op map, and I don't think Philip got a chance to play this. Philip, did you did you end up downloading this and playing it by yourself? Yes, I did because uh, I thought that it would be uh, quite fun, and because you said it was going to be really hard on single-player, I thought, ah, that's a challenge. I, I'm up for that. So I downloaded it, installed it, and ran it. And uh, I have to admit that I gave up after about 15 or 20 minutes because I just couldn't get past the the second room. Just there was just too many head crabs, and then there were too many of those balls, and then um, sorry, there were the poison head crabs, and then there were the balls that were chasing you. And I got finally got through those, and then into the next room. I was like dead in seconds and I just I just couldn't do it on my own and there was nobody around that I could play with so even though I'm not a particularly good player I think even a good player would struggle to play this on single player it seems to me that this is definitely a co-op map yeah Nick and I got a chance to play this uh, I, I actually emailed Nick and I said hey co-op map let's play it and he was like okay so I had no idea what to expect from this thing and uh, three hours later and I kid you not Three hours later, we finished it. And this is just one map. Um, now, Nick and I are very disciplined in the fact where we can play something repetitive over and over again and not get bored of it. So if that's not your cup of tea, I do not, ex I do not suggest playing this. Um, however, it, it is exactly what Philip said. You get to a room, and then you beat a horde. A hor and by a horde, I mean like 200 enemies. And then uh, you get to another room, and then you do the same thing, only with a different enemy. And then again, and then again, and again, and again. And I think there's about, uh, I don't know, like 15 rooms. And uh, by the time we got to the end, we had to fight, like, three antlion um, keepers, or whatever, the big antlion guys. And we ended up just putting on sheets and no clipping to that room, because there's no shortcuts either. Um, so by the time you get to the end and you die, you have to run through the entire map again and get to the point where you were. And it just kind of became aggravating in a sense. Um, this, this map is definitely made for upwards to 10 people. It's not just a two-person co-op map. If you have a huge group or a huge MP server that you frequent, then it might be a good idea. Then you could play this map. But by yourself or with, say, a friend... Not not going to happen. Not unless you're disciplined to play it all the way through. Yeah, no checkpoints, I wouldn't be able to handle that. Yeah, see, it, it, it's not like any other co-op mod, because there's, there's really no way for them to add checkpoints. I mean, I guess there is. They can have uh, the map loop back on itself and have another door open. But uh, it, is, it, is, it almost seems like a first map. Um, and we've discussed first maps before. And Nick's, Nick's telling me here that it's almost like a test map. Uh, so, take that as you will. I might go back and play it in God Mode just to see what um, happens in the following rooms. Because that's one of my addictions, that once I start something, I really want to see what the next room is. And if I can't, then, uh, then in this particular case, I think I might have to be God Mode. Yeah, and that was the drive for Nick and I too, right? We eventually got to the end and we were like, we have to see the end of this. And uh, trying to kill the, the antlion guards was such a pain, so we were like, fine, turn on Buddha, turn on Noclip, 
turn on Impulse 101, and we're just gonna hammer the crap out of these things until we win. And we did. It took, like, I don't know how many slams we needed to kill one of them, but it's almost like these things have a million health. It was so ridiculous. But anyway, regardless, um, if, if you have a large group, or if you just want to play through a map on God Mode, then pick up Red Mesa Single Player, it's in the show notes. Otherwise, uh, steer clear of it if you don't have the discipline, like I said. Alright, um, now on to news. And last week we mentioned Sven Co-op, and we're going to mention it again, because you listeners should know how much I like Sven Co-op. And uh, they have released the Sven Co-op 4 FGD. So all you mappers out there who want to start mapping for 4.0, you can go ahead and do that. And also, the Sven Co-op team is looking for mirrors to host files, which means their files are ready to be hosted. So not long until 4.0 is released. I think I think it might be released this week. That's my professional opinion. They might shoot for a Christmas release, and uh, the team will say Merry Christmas to all you people who have been waiting years for this mod. So keep an eye out on SvenCoop.com in the next few days because I really think 4.0 is going to come out before our next podcast. So is anybody else following SvenCoop or the 4.0 stuff? Any of the guests? Uh, no. (laughs) It's okay, it's okay. (laughs) Thought I was going to have to know something there for a minute. We have two little bits of news left, and then we can get on to our interview. So, the second last bit is Half-Life Wilson Chronicles released a trailer. And uh, we played the demo of this a while back, if you remember, and I said it wasn't anything too special. It was just simply a linear mod, and uh, nothing really to recall from it. Uh, It really didn't have a lasting effect on me. But they have a trailer out, and the trailer is actually pretty good. Um, I had a chance to take a look at it. And uh, it looks interesting. They did a good job with this trailer, and we've talked about trailers, as I said before. And uh, they put a lot of work into this trailer, which is nice. It's not just a tech demo of what they have. It's almost like an official trailer, so it's nice. Philip? I tried to uh, play the demo today, but it kept crashing on me. But from what you say, William, it sounds like the, the trailer's more interesting than the, the mod itself. But hopefully I'm just being really horrible. No, it is, actually. It, the trailer is kind of more interesting than the demo itself. The demo almost kind of feels like a waste of time, or the time goes by, and you kind of wake up and say, what What just happened? <laughs> I quite like the, uh, the trailer. The trailer, trailer was quite good. As you said, we've been talking about trailers recently, so it's nice to see some trailers. But uh, as, we, as we mentioned before, if you have a great trailer, it has to be representative of the end product. Otherwise, you're going to have a negative effect on the people who watch the trailer and think, wow, I've got to play that, and then come back and try a demo and think, whoa, that's no good. Because no matter what you release afterwards, you've always got that first impression of, I didn't enjoy the demo. Yeah, for sure. Okay, last bit of news, and I just want to uh, touch upon this. That Hammy Bob, Hammy Bob mod is going to be released uh, the day before, oh no, December 23rd, which is uh, in two days. So keep your eye out on Hammy Bob mod, because this is going to be our Christmas pick for Steam Community this week. If you guys remember, last week we picked Empires to be the community mod, and we had a whole bunch of people play that. That was fun. Um, we got a couple people in a server, and uh, I think your evil twin showed up, and uh, I can't remember the other guy's name. I apologize for that. 
But this week is going to be Hammy Bob mod, and that will be released on the 23rd, just in time for Christmas. So this will be our Christmas pick. It's just a simple deathmatch, um, Christmas-themed... Yeah, it's kind of like a parody mod. Um, the Hammy Bob mods are always been parody mods, but this is Christmas-themed. So it's perfect pick for this week, and uh, get your deathmatch on, so to speak. Alright, so that covers it for news. Philip, do you want to take us into our next section? Yes, so we are very pleased today to say that we have three members from the Star Trek Enterprise Temporal Cold War mod with us today. Um, we have Mark, Chris and Flanker and they have various roles within the mod. So why don't you just tell us about your jobs within the, the mod and then William and I will ask all these really deep interesting questions that hopefully will have you flummoxed. Uh, yeah, hi, this is Chris again. I'm the lead animator for the mod. Uh, I guess the role's pretty self-explanatory, but um, I'm doing everything from the NPC working animations, uh, the scripted sequence movement kind of stuff, and the uh, view model weapon animations. Hey, I'm Mark from Enterprise Temple Cold War. I'm a voice actor, and I voice the characters of Lieutenant Reed and Captain Archer. Uh, hello, I'm Tony's Dykeman, Flanker, and I'm the concept artist of the Temple Cold War team, and uh, I basically make um, uh, concept arts, um, technical designs, and also do some modeling. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. Um, why don't one of you tell us what Temporal Cold War is, for all those non-Star Trek fans, or, or Enterprise fans, so to speak. Give us a little bit of a rundown of what that means and uh, what it means for your mod. Uh, essentially, the uh, the temporal cold war is a uh, one of the the plot lines for the show, uh, the show Enterprise. Essentially, talking about factions from the future that are trying to alter the timeline by sending sending agents to the past to to kind of mess with things. And we're kind of as far as the mod goes, we're we're sort of trying to pick up the. Sh uh, like where the show left off, uh, essentially bringing us into the next season that, that never got to happen. And the, the way the show ended, they never really kind of concluded the whole Temporal Cold War storyline. Um, so really there's like a lot to work with there. So it's a continuation of the series and not, uh, I guess, a mirror of the series. I think a lot of people are, a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people think you're just going to recreate the whole series in a mod, so to speak, and maybe touch upon some previous episodes. Are you going to be doing that too, or is it just uh, straight from where it left off? No, no going back. Well, I definitely think it's going to to reference, you know, a lot of the older stuff, but you're not actually going to. I mean, I don't think so for the most part. You're not actually going to be playing through anything that already happened. This is more about pushing the story forward. Wonderful. Okay, I have one kind of deep question, um, and then maybe we can hand it off to Philip. I just want to know how you guys set apart yourself, or how, how do you set, aside, or set yourself apart Sorry, from uh, other mods in the Half-Life community? Because there is a clear, clear difference between um, Temporal Cold War and all the other mods. It's almost like you guys are doing a full-out, total conversion of Half-Life. It's... Uh, Actually, it's almost like you're you're ignoring Half-Life altogether, and uh, you're adopting the engine for yourself instead of using the engine to create some sort of modification. Um, wh where do you get that drive, and uh, do you do you even 
look upon the community and the Half-Life community for inspiration or anything? Or do you guys feel as, as if you're just totally separate and uh, you're just kind of doing your own thing? I think we're definitely, uh, I mean, we definitely view ourselves as a, as a mod, obviously. Um, we do a lot of, we try and get a, our name out there on a lot of different mod sites. Our, our PR guy does a, does a great job uh, setting up all our mod profiles. But I think um, we're definitely trying to approach it more as we're making, we're making a Star Trek game rather than making a Half-Life game. And uh, it definitely is a total conversion. I mean, it's all all new stuff. So, I mean, absolutely. I mean, quite a lot of mods for Half-Life 2, in my opinion, are they tend to be more like themed shooters. Um, now, with Star Trek, I mean, you've, we've already had a, a sort of shooting game for Star Trek, which was Elite Force, as far as I remember. Um, but it never actually captured the essence of what Star Trek is. Now, we're going for more the the team orientated gameplay we're talking you know story driven you know this thing is a whole brand new entity to the the half-life series and i mean as i said before you know first person shooters that's great but you know they don't really work so much as part of, as part of the star trek philosophy um there's a lot behind that and uh i reckon we can contribute to something you know to the whole star trek gaming community um, in a really big way, um, you know, we we try to take a little bit of inspiration from other mods. But as I said, this is a totally different game. We're going for a totally different theme, and hopefully, we can uh, bend the source engine as much as we can. Yeah, and you can see that through your mod. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Flanker. Sorry. Uh, I have to agree with the, the others, of course. Uh, Inspiration-wise, we tend to look at other mods, but we tend also to uh, look out for ourselves. We've got a quite a talented uh, team together with excellent modelers, voice actors, animators, and uh, yes, it's it's we inspire ourselves as well. When one makes a, no, for example, a great model, he shows it to the others, which brings up new ideas for uh, levels or uh, game modes we might uh, use in uh, in other episodes, for example. Earlier on, you mentioned uh, taking inspiration from other mods. One of the questions I have is, how many of you have played the first two Star Trek actual games? And did you decide early on, or not at all, whether you wanted to have a similar feeling to that, obviously an improvement, but a similar feeling, or did you just want to say, forget everything that's been done before, we want to do things our way, and we're going to use the source engine, and that's that. Um, well, I think we d we definitely do look at uh, some of the other Star Trek games uh, when we're making this, but I mean, oftentimes we've uh, like referred to maybe even even Elite Force, um, like what they've done or what we could do. But I think we definitely looked at you know Half Life a lot of the time more than anything else. You know, just trying to create that that balance between uh, action, run and gun gameplay, and and puzzles that you have to solve. Uh, that's been so so well done in the Half-Life series. We want to still try and carry on that tradition into our mod. For me, there are just two mods, really, that that should be used for people as templates, and that's Black Mesa and that's this mod. Um, there's no doubt that the mod 
is as professional as a mod can be and I just want to say that you guys are doing a fantastic job and many other mods should look to you and say we want to do our mod as good as them and something we talked about with Black Mesa before is them releasing their assets uh, are you going to be releasing the assets so that people can actually start making their own mini mods or their own maps for it because I think that that would be a really cool thing to do uh, there is a plan when uh, the demo uh, comes out some models will be released for the Gary mod, for example. That would be cool. That's really not, that's really good of you guys to do that. What about in the longer term, though, once the mod is actually released? Will people be able to make maps for it? I don't see why not. I mean, from the development side, um, there's been quite a lot of talk of multiplayer and how that's going to fit into the game. Um, now, you know, there's only so much we can really do. It sort of depends as well on the community. So the community is going to have to embrace this, and uh, I guess the only way for them to do that is to be able to make their own maps. Yeah, I think the longer-term future of you know professional mods like yourselves is to be able to release those assets because this is one of the reasons Valve has been so successful in Half-Life because people can make their own, and you kind of want to do a like a, a mini version of that, and then the community really will take it. And maybe there'll be another game after that because the community becomes even tighter based on the uh, maps that they make. Yeah, you see that so much with different mods. Um, I hate to go always go back to Sven Co-op, but Sven Co-op is a perfect example. Um, they release all their, their stuff and uh, they make it all available and it's community driven. I think you guys are doing such a good job with this mod. This is definitely right up there on the, on the top um, of all anticipated mods uh, for Half-Life. Um, and I'm, to be honest, I'm not even a Star Trek fan. I mean, I watch it when I have lunch, when I'm home during the day. But other than that, there's not much of Star Trek that interests me. But this, this mod is so professional, and you guys are working so hard on this. And it, it stands out amongst all other mods in the Half-Life community. Um, and that's what really makes this mod the best, almost. Um, you know, it's, it's not whether or not you like Star Trek, and you don't have to like Star Trek to um, to like this mod. I have a couple more questions and then maybe Philip can go can ask some more. I just wanted to ask about licensing fees. Uh, we mentioned last week on the show when we were talking about um, your mod, we were questioning whether or not Paramount has given you licenses to do this. We've seen many mods fail in the past because um, they didn't have licensing fees and more, um, most specifically uh, GoldenEye Source. Have you guys contacted Paramount about this or anything? Uh, we basically contacted them, but we didn't get a reply. And of course, we um, in everything we release, we uh, put the copyright notes, of course. But we did contact Paramount, but they didn't reply back. Uh, reply back. So we considered it uh, done. The yeah, sort of like a you know silent acknowledgement. I'm sure. I'm sure somebody knows about it. And, I mean, in no way are we intending to incringe upon any copyright, you know, of anything in the franchise, but, I mean, if anything, I don't really, I don't really see why they, they would see this as a problem, you know, we're not making profit on it, and if anything, you know, it's kind of free advertisement for Star Trek, you know, good fan art. Yeah, and that's what we mentioned last week as well. Yeah, absolutely, I mean, there have been quite a lot of uh, mods generated around Star Trek um, quite recently, actually. Um, and uh, over the years, and um, I guess none of them have been really shut down or even bothered by Paramount, basically because Star Trek is in kind of limbo at the minute. 
you know, and uh, I guess any user-driven content can still back the franchise. Yeah, and that's great. Um, th that's another really, really good point. Paramount hasn't really cared about other mods, so um, why should they care about this one? And it's such a good mod. I don't know why they wouldn't. I mean, the stuff you have is so professional. I don't know why they wouldn't keep it keep it going, so to speak. So yeah, I think it is a silent acknowledgement from a legal s standpoint. <laughs> um, that is a silent acknowledgement, actually. Yeah, for example, if you ask your renter if you can move out and you email them and you make every effort to contact them and they say nothing, then it is a silent acknowledgement by a legal standpoint. So technically, you guys have the law on your side. <laughs> but anyway, um, I wish no harm, of course. Um, my my second question for now, and then we can hand it back to Philip, is uh, how are you um, pulling in fans who aren't maybe interested in Star Trek? Well, I think it's kind of like um, the new movie. Um, there's a new movie being developed, and it'll be released next year, but um, the director, J.J. Abrams, is actually creating it for non-fans of Star Trek. So um, I guess we're developing this in mind with, with uh, fans in mind, but with the hope that other people will actually want to play the mod. Um, because it looks so professional, because it's got such a... I mean, this, this really is a fantastic mod. I mean, I've, I've playing the beta, you know, being able to run about a ship, you know, in a really cool ship with lots of computers and lasers and bombs and stuff, you know, even as a fan of first-person shooters, I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. I mean, you cannot fault running about a ship with a phase weapon and just blowing stuff up. Um, hopefully then, people will enjoy seeing the screenshots, the media, um, and they'll be drawn to the website, they can download the mod. I think, you know, because as you say, being on podcasts like this, um, you know, it's going to give us publicity. People that don't even like Star Trek will go and visit the website, um, and hopefully it'll envelop some sort of curiosity with them. Yeah, we, we definitely are kind of taking the, the stance that you don't need to be a Star Trek fan to get into this, you know, we're still trying to incorporate all the classic Half-Life 2 elements, like I said before, with the with just good old-fashioned shooting and puzzle solving. So, I mean, if you're just into first-person shooters, you can, I'm sure you'll definitely get into this. I mean, it's just there will be good content to be had, and uh, we have a pretty active forum. Uh, we have a good PR guy, so I mean, if you haven't seen the forum, you know, hop over to our website and check it out. Okay, I've got some questions about the uh, the mod itself. Um, will there be any time traveling for the player in the mod since this is uh, like the Temporal Cold War and in the in the Enterprise series there was a little bit of time traveling for Captain Archer um, will there be any of that and one more question while I remember who does the, the player play well I don't know how far ahead we can get into the uh, actual story itself I, I, I can't tell you the, um, the player will be playing a, uh, a new uh, Ensign, a you know, low-ranking officer who's coming in to work as uh, part of the security team. And as for time traveling? No. Um, how much can we give away? Um, basically, from what... Man, I don't even know what I can say about this. Um, there will be some elements. Oh, that's all I can say. Um, you know, as for the title, Temporal Cold War, you know. We, we are picking up the, the story from... Uh, where Enterprise left off, um, and there was some sort of there was there was this whole thing with a guy called Future Guy, and he was a guy which was in the future, and he was influencing and contacting a race called the Sulaban in the past, 
and you know there was this whole thing if you're trying to set you know sort of break up um, the Federation and Starfleet um, but you know I don't know how much more I can say about that it's okay it's okay um, that's a really really good answer Okay, um, I mean, Half-Life obviously has the portals where you can jump through and go to other places, and Enterprise has the transporting. Uh, will there be lots of transporting? Because I'm really interested to see what effects you've got planned for, you know, the, the sound and the transporting. Well, there's definitely going to be some serious, you know, off-ship locations. I mean, one of the biggest things about, you know, any of the Star Trek shows is the, the away missions, you know, going somewhere else. And it really wouldn't be that fun of a mod if you just sat on the ship the whole time. But we've got some... Uh, We've got some cool uh, uh, different environments, exteriors even, that we're looking at doing, so it should it should keep everything interesting. Yeah, not to mention the shuttle pods. Yeah, mo- a lot of the time in the in the Enterprise show, they did use the uh, the shuttles a little more than the transporter. Uh, so, I mean, going to a location in a shuttle is kind of a, a cool feature. Okay, and uh, this is one more for the Trekkies, but uh, are you going to keep the theme of going if if you're in a red shirt, then you're likely to get killed? Because if you watch a load of those episodes, there's always that extra that lands on the away mission, and he's always in a red shirt, and he always gets killed. Well, you know, I'm not sure if that always necessarily applied for uh, for the Enterprise series. I know as it, as it moved later in the years, it kind of went from the red shirt of the original series to uh, uh, just like an ensign rank in general for uh, for the later shows like Next Generation and Voyager, but I, mean, I hope not since you're an ens- ensign, so... Yeah, or else you'll be dying. Yeah, I think they just replaced uh, the red shirts in Enterprise with the Makos. Yeah, that's right. We got generic marine characters. They're expendable. <laughs> Do you have plans for um, like a training room, specifically to get used to the new weapons and those kind of things like uh, some mods do? Hell yes, we do. Yeah, the, uh, That's all you're <laughs> yeah, there, there's definitely going to be like a, a very cool, um, intuitive like introduction to how everything will work for you. Oh, it'd be so cool if you used the uh, hollow room. Does the Enterprise have a hollow room? I never really followed Enterprise. It doesn't have the a hollow room, but it does have a holographic targeting thing. And you just shoot at it quite a lot. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, they have like these floating target things, sort of a cross between like, uh, it's sort of like those uh, that thing in Star Wars that you know shoots little lasers at Luke when he's trying to practice his thing, and cross between that and like a a man hack maybe from Half Life. Interesting. You mentioned earlier on that uh, you wouldn't really be expecting. Uh, people to have watched the series or be Trekkie fans. Are you going to do maybe kind of either an introduction movie or some kind of summary about what happened so at least the player knows sort of where they're starting from in the history of it? Yeah, I think we probably will. Um, In the later series of Enterprise where there was a continuing story arc, uh, I think it was season three and four, they used to do like a sort of a previously segment um, just sort of recapping the past season or the past couple of episodes. And I think we will be doing the same sort of thing because we are picking up where, essentially, I think Series 2 finished. Okay, I have a few more questions. Um, first off, I'm, I want to ask in terms of content. Are you going to be following um, exactly all the same content in Enterprise, or are you creating your own sort of custom content as well? Like, for example, uh, we just got this new ship in, 
and uh, let's go try it out. I think I think we're definitely trying to keep uh, as close to you know Star Trek canon as possible. You know, just um, but I mean, seeing as it's like a season that's never been, we're trying to do a season that's never been done before. We do have sort of a, a degree of freedom that we can take, um, but we're not trying to break too far off from from everything that's been established by previous Enterprise series. Okay, sounds good. Um, and my second question is, um, how does the gameplay work? I mean, yeah, it's uh, a first-person shooter. Um, yes, you play as an ensign, but will you later be able to move up in the ranks and maybe control the Enterprise or maybe um, be able to choose your own missions? Like, for example, you'll have a list of missions and then you can decide to go um, from location to location. Sort of like an MMO. Um, would it play like that, or is it going to be very linear um, as to the ship going from one location to another, and then you landing on certain planets, and then the story developing from that? Um, I think for the most part, we're just going with a uh, trying to make it you know as, as story driven as possible, sort of um, an episode approach to feel feel that you sort of are playing the show. So I mean, not to be completely linear, but. Um, I think for the most part, the scripted sequences and the uh, the story is sort of the the driving point and theme of the the mod. Okay, and I just got another question. Um, what kind of things are you adopting from the Half Life engine, and what kind of things are you adding yourself? Um, this is more a technical question, but we see other mods that uh, redo, say, the blood system or the gore system or um, the underwater system, but they still obviously adopt the Havoc's physics engine or um, some of the Orange Box HDR. What are you taking from the engine and what are you making for yourself is basically what I'm asking. Well, I know a few things that are you know, meant to be added. Uh, you obviously have the... Um the usual Star Trek gadgets that are going to be added, such as the uh, the tricorder, you it's like a scanning device. We're going to try and go with, um, you know, implementing that in gameplay. Something you'll actually pull out and look at that'll give you, you know, radar radar uh, kind of information about your environment. Um, you know, communication devices. Uh, trying to implement some uh, cool stun effects. Yeah, I think we're also uh, developing quite a lot of new. Uh, explosive devices like uh, stun grenades and a lot of that sort of stuff needs to be coded in and um, you know and of course we're doing the, the transporter effects the transporter systems um, I mean you name it it's probably gonna be redone at some stage very very nice that is that sounds exciting all right Philip any more questions yeah you talk about the using the shuttle instead of the uh, transporter will the player get to fly one of the shuttles or is he just a passenger well, at this time, it's sort of undecided. Um, there was talk a little while ago about actually being able to either fly a shuttle or fly the Enterprise itself, so we're still sort of uh, playing around with that. How much of the mod do you have fleshed out in terms of content? Are you pretty much on a set goal right now? You have everything you want and everything you have um, decided, or are you still developing throughout the, the stage? I mean, we're definitely since we're approaching everything in sort of like an episode kind of kind of basis. We we definitely have you know uh, full script, everything fleshed out for you know our first installment or or a demo at least. And um, we have like a general idea for like the entire arc of the story, maybe. But 
for the most part, we're just uh, focusing everything on the on the demo coming up, uh, the story. Ooh, demo. I didn't realize that, uh, that that was how it was going to be released. I just thought it was going to be one big mod. So have you got a plan for how many episodes, how long each gameplay time will be for each? Um, well, okay. Um, our demo is literally going to be about, I'm going to guess, 15, 10, 15 minutes. You know, we're just going to introduce the player. Um, but the actual, as each episode goes by, um, an episode of Enterprise was about, I guess, 40, 40, 45 minutes. Um, so that's the sort of gameplay we're going for. We're going to try and keep this episodic style of um, gameplay. Um, altogether, I'm not sure how many episodes we're going to have, but all I do know is that uh, Enterprise, the series, did have about 24 episodes per series. So, um, you know, take from that what you will. Uh, when do we expect to, When can we expect to see the demo? I had to ask it. Um, I think we're looking for something pretty soon. I mean, we're definitely getting uh, getting pretty close to releasing um, a sort of uh, internal beta for our beta testing team to to work out some bugs. And um, I, I wanted to address this because I'd, I'd seen some comments and how everybody thought the the you know the assets, the art assets, and the the content was looking good, but there's no examples of gameplay yet. It's definitely, I mean, we're definitely coming along, and uh, I think we're getting pretty close to uh, to some stuff that'll actually be playable. Uh, we're definitely still looking for uh, any kind of coding help we can get. Um, you know, the more the more coders we get on this thing, the faster this moves along, we can get some something put out to the public. Okay, one of my biggest bugbears within the gaming community, especially the uh, SP community, is beta testing. Now, everything else about your mod seems as professional as any any uh, AAA game that I've seen released, is the same true for beta testing? Do you have a special procedure? Do you have an internal team ready and then an external external team and somebody with experience in beta testing? Because uh, too often you just see, oh, I let my friends play it and they said that it was great, so I released it. And of course, I know that that's not going to happen here, but uh, beta testing should be done as professionally as possible. And I'm really hoping you're going to say you've got everything organized we do have everything organized what we do is we've got a special forum um, which none of the public can see um, and it's specifically for beta testers now we've got a beta testing team um, and each build that goes up onto our servers they then play the hell out of it um, list any bugs that they can and then the coders just go along and try and fix it yeah they have their uh, they have their own procedures and uh, and guidelines to follow as far as uh, play testing it and looking for uh, you know bugs and glitches and all that. I, it's, it's not just like sitting down and playing. It was like oh yeah that's cool. Um, you know they're a committed team and they're actually looking for something so they can provide us useful feedback. Do you have people who are uh, specifically designed to cross check lore so to speak and make sure everything is to snuff against the Star Trek series? Um, not anybody specifically, but we all try and, uh, we all try and cont contribute on that end, you know, if, if you know something that, you know, somebody didn't realize at first, or if you find something, we'd, we'd like to, like, you know, help each other out. Uh, there's, there's different websites that we look at to try and get, uh, the correct reference. Um, there's a, there's a Star Trek wiki on the internet, we, you know, constantly reference that for keeping things up to par. 
do you find you're getting a lot of people who are uh, kind of being very, very nitpicky about the lore, maybe on your forums? Uh, like, for example, if you have a wall texture and they're saying, oh, you have such and such text printed on this wall, but it should be this text and not that text. And they get really mad at you. Yeah, they're called the the, uh, the developers. <laughs> that's awesome, then. So you guys really care. That's, that's awesome. Um, that goes a long way, a very long way. You don't see that a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we're such we're all such huge fans of the show. We all know um, what's what and what we can play with and what we can't. Um, and you should <laughs> you should actually you should see the amount of arguments that we've had in the scripting uh, section, um, just about canon and making it fit. So um, you know we don't go overboard and we make everything fit so it sort of bleeds into the rest of the Star Trek universe. Okay, so how many people are on your team altogether? I'm sure some have started and then left. And one thing I'm curious, is anybody keeping an account of man hours that uh, this mod has made? Because I think that would be so cool to be able to say, you know, it took 22,000 man hours for everybody involved to make this mod. I really have no idea how how many hours the entire team's actually uh, put into this thing. Um, I know our uh, our project lead, uh, Captain Source. That guy is he's constantly working. He's a machine. Um, but I think I think everybody works works pretty hard. I mean, considering the amount of content and stuff that has to be created, we're we're pretty far along. Absolutely. I mean, I was talking with Captain Source yesterday, and because I'm based in the United Kingdom and he's in Australia, you know, it was about 4 p.m. and he's he never goes to bed. He's always working on this thing. You know, I was talking to him yesterday, and it was probably about 4 a.m. in the morning or something over there. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I'm not sure the uh, the exact number of the people on the team. Let me try and get it real quick. Well, while you get that, maybe discuss how you guys met each other. Um, I mean, it seems like you're so strung apart across the world, which is great. Um, you're all in different time zones. How did you guys end up stumbling upon each other, stumbling upon the mod? And also, what kind of experience? Uh, is there any game development experience that others have, or maybe yourselves have, in previous mods, or maybe some actual development studios? Wow. Well, um, I guess I should sort of really start that one. Um, by day, I'm a 3D uh, visualizer, so I know what I'm doing with the 3D uh, Studio Max. Um, as for how I got into the actual sound, uh, the voice acting, um, I used to run a segment called Mod Weekly on a different uh, podcast and I guess the the owner of that podcast actually introduced me to Captain Source and I went through the normal procedure, you know, sending a demo of yourself, doing about 20 different voices and then, you know, hope someone gets back to you and within, I guess, about two hours, I think Captain Source had got back to me with a part as uh, <laughs> Lieutenant Reed, so there you go, that was how I got started. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually uh, one of the newer members of the team. I've been around since uh, since June, but I've I've been following you know following this mod through its profiles and its websites for you know at least the last year and a half. I was just you know waiting for an opportune time to to join this. I was actually going to um, the Art Institute of Pittsburgh for the Game Art and Design bachelor's degree, which I graduated from, and. Uh, and then after that, I just contacted them through the recruitment section on the forum. And, uh, you know, they need an animator, so that about sums it up. Could one of you maybe tell us about the history of your project leader? Uh, does he have any game development experience as well? Uh, Captain Sauce has mainly 
uh, lots of experience in web design. And of course, he, uh, like everyone already has told, uh, he has a lot of stamina. So he's constantly, uh, constantly learning new things like programming, uh, working in Hammer. He, he is really a great inspiration to us all. He's really a, a jack of all trades. Okay, obviously you're getting a huge amount of interest from the modding community, but what about outside in the modern, uh, the outside of the internet modding community? So first part one of this question is, uh, have you been in any print magazines yet? Because you definitely deserve to be. And two, have you been uh, noticed anywhere else? Because I think it's time that other uh, magazines or other TV shows picked up on our modding community, and you would be an excellent ambassador for that. Uh, well, I definitely know for sure that um, a good while back there was a uh, a uh, short article mention with some screenshots, and I believe uh, PC Gamer, I think PC Gamer UK possibly. Okay, I mean I know Janice is working really hard uh, on getting it uh, out to as many people as possible, but uh, I think it this would be just be nice if we got it to a new group of people who have never even heard of modding before. Well, I think I think definitely when we get to uh, there's more of a released uh, playable stage when we get to that kind of uh, point in development. I think we'll definitely probably get more uh, more public attention. And it was asked in the chat, but uh, I'm just going to reiterate it in voice. Do you have any exclusive secrets on the show to discuss on the show? Sorry, or anything, any little tidbit of information you can leak out. Uh, Vulcans, <laughs> Romulans, that's all I'll say. All right, fair enough. That's pretty cool. All right, so uh, finally, where can people go to learn about Star Trek, and what can they expect in the near future from you guys? Or Star Trek Temporal Cold War. What, where can they go to learn about Star Trek Temporal Cold War? Um, well, you can come to our website, uh, and check out our forums. Our forums are usually pretty active. Uh, site's forum.enterprise-tcw.com. Uh, you can definitely learn about us there. You should be expecting uh, more media releases. There's one that's supposed to come out very, very soon. And then we've got the, uh, the demo sometime in hopefully the near future. Well, that's awesome. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. And uh, it's been a pleasure, definitely. This is one of Podcast 17's most anticipated mods of 2008. Going into 2009 now, um, maybe we should have a little segment on our most anticipated and top. And uh, I guarantee Star Trek TCW is going to be on that list. You guys are doing such an excellent job. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Good being here. Yes, thanks. And that move us, moves us along into our discussion, our question and discussion this week. And uh, once again, we meant to do this last week, but we didn't have a lot of time. And the question is, portal maps, what happened to them? Philip, um, what do you think about uh, portal maps? This is, of course, your question, and you posed this question on Planet Philip. Give us a little bit more information. Yeah, I was thinking about this recently, um, and I was thinking, I decided to just have a look through my link list and, you know, visit all the portal sites that I've got listed. And I noticed that some of them are, like, dead completely. Some of them haven't been updated in six months, and one of, I think one or two of them had some updates in the last month. And I was thinking, you know, how quickly that the modding community has gone dead. And then I made a quick, 
you know, maybe a, a, a wrong jump, but I made the jump between this and Left for Dead thinking that I wonder if it's going to be the same, that it's such a specialised type of gameplay that there is only so much you can do with um, Portal. And I was thinking, oh, I wonder if this is going to be the same for Left for Dead and... What, the question, I, the reason I asked the question was because I was thinking of adding portal maps to Planet Philip, uh, so that was the, the the underlying, you know, reason for asking. But it really seems that, that the whole portal modding community has literally died. But having said that, as soon as I asked the question, somebody, you know, told me that there was a new map out like Affinity, and so there are some. But really, what has happened to you know happened to them? Have people stopped modding and playing completely? Yeah, I think Portal has a specific crowd that plays on a specific niche, so to speak. Um, there is a very selected few amount of people who still play Portals, and I don't want to say that it's lost popularity because it hasn't. It is still an excellent game, but uh, people who continue to play this mod are really the hardcore players, and it's hard to get developers who are also hardcore players of Portals. I think that's why... Um, there's not a lot of portal maps out there. But with that said, um, there are there are sites still doing portal um, portal coverage, and I frequent city17.ru, which is a Russian site, and uh, they just recently started posting portal maps, um, kind of like a retroactive uh, posting of portal maps, but still portal maps nonetheless so there is still that drive it's just not as large as uh as it used to be i think when it comes to portal that the, the level design is just uh, a whole lot more involved it's more than just creating a bunch of rooms connected by hallways and, and throwing some weapons in there for people to run around you actually have to think about uh the gameplay mechanics and the different puzzles it's all based on the puzzles yeah, I don't know if you guys have heard about a uh, a AAA title called Little Big Planet for the PlayStation 3, and it's almost kind of like the same uh, situation that they are in. Um, it's all about developing your own levels, but you have to have a sort of creativity. And when you ask people to be creative, you're you're essentially asking them to set aside a certain amount of time and a certain amount of effort to develop these types of maps. You really have to work them out. So they take much longer to to design uh, over a normal Half-Life map, but I think that also has a lot to do with it. A lot to do with it. Yeah, I, I'm afraid to admit that I'm arrogant enough that when I see lots of these Half-Life maps, I think oh, I could do something that in some cases as good as this, in some cases not as good. But when I look at some of the things that the the portal things, I think, wow, that that looks really hard. And I'm not talking about physically building it in Hammer. I'm talking about thinking that through. So I've got a huge amount of respect for the people who make anything, but a little bit more in some ways than the people who make those portal maps. Because as one of you just said, you know, sticking a bunch of hallways and rooms together and then putting some combine down, that's easy compared to thinking through some of these puzzles. And one of the reasons I posted again on the site was because after f uh, playing uh, Half-Life Trap, that got me thinking again about all these puzzles and thinking, oh, I wanna, maybe I want to go back and do that in a, in a Source Engine environment. Yeah, um, the trap is an excellent example of a simplistic map design, but but the development is a lot deeper than just the map design, so to speak. There is a lot of thought process put into, okay, this puzzle goes here, this puzzle goes here, and this puzzle connects to puzzle A and puzzle C, puzzle C connects to puzzle B, and, you know, and it's just, there's so much effort involved in these maps. I can't stress that enough, and I think that really does have a large impact on this stuff. 
I'm going to be <laughs> sorry for the self pimpage here, but I'm going to be mentioning this later in Planet Philip. But one of the things I'd like to see is I'd like to see like a, a merge of some of the puzzle ideas from Portal Two, uh, Portal, sorry, and just you know a regular Half Life universe. I mean, I don't see why I can't have a little bit of fun playing a puzzle and then a bit later shooting some people. And I don't know if it's possible, but I've definitely seen some Half-Life maps that use portal assets, and I've definitely seen some portal maps that use Half-Life assets. I don't really understand whether it's possible or not to make a kind of a combination where for some of the module f shooting and running, and then another part you have to use, you know, your um, handheld aperture device, and just have a, a little bit of both, because that would be, for me, that would be perfect. Yeah, a friend of mine actually mentioned um, that he somehow I'm trying to value this, but he took some so switched some files between the uh, the Half Life Two game and and Portal, and brought the uh, and they had the Portal gun in the Half Life Two single player game. Was just messing around with it and like teleporting himself around and shooting combine. That sounded kind of fun. That would be extremely interesting to do. And you're right, Philip. Why aren't people doing that right now? Um, there's obviously the technicalities of two separate games, but it's still a source engine. You could still merge it. And there are people who are doing more um, intricate things. Why can't they do something as simple as that? So I think it's something that um, should be done in the future. And if there's any mod developers listening, um, maybe it might be a good idea to, to throw some of that content into your mod. Or even putting it into an already existing mod. Um, like, for example, we were talking about Calamity Fuse um, today, and, and Calamity Fuse uh, has a lot of magic involved. Uh, Newman, as Philip says. Why can't they just uh, adopt some of the code in Portals and create a Newman that shoots Portals? I mean, that, I think that would be an, an excellent uh, addition or cross-platform or cross-connection cross between the two games, almost. Yeah, it seems that the idea of a portal is such a good idea, and so far it's only been used for puzzle solving. And of course that's very important, and you really have to think about the design. I can't remember who introduced it, but I know that um, you can play the Half-Life game with the portal gun, and actually I think that would be quite boring, because you'd be able to accomplish too many things that you weren't supposed to. But if somebody sat down and said, okay, right from the beginning, I'm going to have the portal gun in conjunction with, you know, an AR2, then, you know, it might be fun. Solving a puzzle while fighting, you know, combine would be a really kind of interesting thing, even if the puzzle was easy. And that's kind of what the trap did, right? Um, I mean, they didn't have portals, but they, the, the developer of the trap combined those two features together, where you had the puzzles and then you also had some killing involved. And it made it for an excellent gameplay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there was some fighting in there, so that was kind of cool. But from my own personal experience, I tried, I tend to steer clear of portal maps, and I'm not quite sure why, to be honest. I mean, I enjoyed the game. Um, I feel like I only played the game, though, to see the connections with the Half-Life storyline. I enjoyed portals, I enjoyed the puzzle aspect of it, and I even played the achievement maps, or the challenge maps. But for some reason, I cannot get myself to play custom portal maps. Like, Affinity is here listed on the agenda, but I didn't get around to it this week. And I'm not sure why. There's not that... I don't have that drive, uh, that same drive that I have with other Half-Life games. I think it comes down to a number of things, William. I think it comes down to the first one, that there's not enough story in there. And that um, 
it's very difficult for a map maker to make anything that has a story to give you a motivation for doing something. Whereas with the Half-Life storyline, you know, you can say, oh, you're, you know, you play Freeman and this happens. Whereas here, it's really just about going from room to room. I think that's one of the things. The second thing is that the number of assets available is very limited in comparison with uh, Half-Life. I mean, literally, Affinity you probably uses all the ones that I can remember seeing. Um, and that's not a good thing in a mod. And I think the third thing, and somebody made a point of this on Planet Philip, was that developers seem to have taken the idea that for it to be a good bonus map or a, a portal map, it has to be more complicated. It has to be even, you know, so impossible to the jump, timing of the jumps or, you know, working something out has to be really difficult. And I don't think that that has to be true. Some of the best Half-Life mods I've played have been very simple. You know, you walk around, you shoot things, you solve a quick puzzle, you go into another room. And I think that if more portal developers said, OK, instead of trying to make things as complicated as possible, let me just try and put some new twists on things or, you know, just release something that's fun to play. Yeah, I think that's what the underlying issue is for me, too. Um, whenever I go to play a portal map, I'm, I'm, I immediately think that uh, this map is going to be harder than portal because that's what portal's about. When you create something new, then it has to exceed the previous. And in terms of Portal, it was about the difficulty and the challenges of the levels. So for me, I don't want to play anything more difficult than Portal. I just kind of want something like Portal, or maybe even less than Portal, that I can just kill kill time with. I think that's a, an excellent point. Yeah, I think it was sort of it was created as a puzzle game, and I think people, especially like the people making masks for it, are probably just still viewing it as something that can only be a puzzle game. And there's definitely like a lot more you can do with it. Like you said, as far as like story and like action. That could be like made in a mod, you know. Like, what if, what if you know they were doing some kind of like military field testing for the application of the portal gun or something like that? You'd still have the the puzzles in there, but be using it to like drop down behind bad guys and you know, creating creating like crazy ambushes by like teleporting through a wall or something. Almost kind of like what Prey did. I don't know if any of you played Prey, but that used portal technology as well, and that was an excellent game. All right, so that's our little discussion about. Uh, portal maps and what happened to them. For more um, information on that or more discussion, head over to Planet Philip at planetphilip.com and he has a news post on there about a discussion about portal maps. So go ahead and take part of that if you want to or if you have something extra to say. Of course you can say it in the Podcast 17 show comment section. Uh, feel free to put in all your comments there as well. And this week um, we have a listener audio question. We've been asking for these uh, for the past couple of weeks, and we have one to share with you guys today and uh, to answer, of course. So, Nick, take it away. My name is Skyline, and my question for y'all is, I'd like to know um, just what is y'all, I'd say, top three favorite source mods of all time? I think I'm going to let Philip answer this first, and then we can get to our guests. Philip? Okay, this is a really tough question, and uh, I've been thinking about this ever since the, the question was posted. I think I'm going to actually cheat and say I, I can't give you a best three of all time. The closest I could probably give you would be the best three of this year, um, because my mind doesn't seem to work in the same way as others, in as much as I, I don't keep a list in my head. I never play anything twice, and I'm more interested in how much fun I had, even if the mod has got um, 
I don't know, you know, maybe the textures aren't aligned or little things like that. So different people have a different viewpoint. A developer would probably love Minerva because, of course, nearly everybody loves Minerva. But I thought it was thought it was okay because the gameplay for me was was just okay. So I'm sorry to ramble again. I can't give you a, a an all time, but I can give you a, a 2008. Uh, first of all on my list, and they're in no particular order, one of them would be a mod called Intrusion. Now, at first view, I thought I would hate this mod, because basically it has shotguns and it has antlions, and I hate them both. But it actually made me feel that the, the modder has done a job which is quite interesting. It's put me in a situation where I don't want to be, and there's really nothing I can do about it, I've just got to get on with it. And I really enjoyed having to play through that. Uh, the next one was The Citizen, which was a fantastic mod. Lots of storytelling, lots of um, new elements in there, and with The Citizen 2 coming out, that's really quite interesting. And the last one was uh, a mod called So Much for Freeman, which actually was just a map that was released uh, for a, a competition on Snark Pit. And it was short, but it was really, really good. And all of those mods are available on my Hall of Fame for 2008. So I'm sorry, Skyline. Can't give you an all-time. Just can give you a 2008. How about some of our guests? Any of you have some favorite source mods you want to share with us? Well, I used to love Counter-Strike. And uh, Day of Defeat, they were great when they first came out. Well, for mods, I, um, well, obviously... Black Mesa Source is going to be awesome, but that hasn't, hasn't quite come out yet. But I'd still, even even pre-release, have to put that up near the top. Um, and one of my favorites that, I don't know, people seem to have forgotten about it, is, uh, was uh, the Half-Life 2 uh, Capture the Flag mod, which was totally awesome and like seamless gameplay, excellent mapping. I like knew some of the people that worked on the mod. It was really good. Yeah, for me, um, it, it's a lot like what Philip said. I'm going to try to concentrate on non-single-player stuff, because uh, Philip already touched upon that. But in terms of multiplayer, um, right now, my top source mod, and I'm just going through my list here of installed games, and I'd have to say Empires. <laughs> um, we mentioned it last week, and I've only had really a week to play 2.2, but Empires is so fun. I have such a good time uh, playing team-play-oriented. Um, I then, I'm trying to think of back through my history with Half-Life 2 mods, and uh, most notably, I played a lot of Dystopia. Dystopia is one of my top mods too. I just really love the whole cyberpunk feel of that game. Um, also Hidden Source. I love playing Hidden Source with my friends. And uh, since I'm such a co-op junkie, uh, Synergy is up there as well because uh, Synergy is really the only thing that does co-op right in Half-Life 2. Uh, I am, of course, waiting for Sven Co-op 2 for Half-Life 2. But my all-time favorite mod of any Half-Life universe is obviously Sven Co-op. Um, that goes hands down. Uh, single player, multiplayer, any genre, Sven Co-op is my favorite mod. But unfortunately, that's not Half-Life 2. So I think it's going to go Empire's Dystopia, Hidden Source, and Synergy are my top four. Okay, so that about wraps it up for our show today. Um, I'd like to thank, of course, Philip and our guests for being on the show. Well, thank you. It was uh, great to be on the show, and uh, thanks for having us. Merry Christmas. Everybody have a good holiday. Merry Christmas, everyone.
Thank you to our guests, and I hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, please, please, please release the demo as soon as possible, guys, because we all want to play, even for 10, 15 minutes. Everybody have a safe and happy Christmas holiday, and we'll speak to you next week. Bye.